Corinthians. This is our theme verse for this series. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Uh, we talked about this in depth last week, but I'm going to hone in a little bit to this, this last section of this, uh, paraf- uh, this passage. It says, all of you together, all of you together, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. So last week, we really dug into the fact that you are essential to the body of Christ. And the body of the Christ is what? The church. So you, you are essential. That is the, the, the key word in this series, is that what is essential? What is, how do we define essential? What is the, in my life that needs to be essential? So last week we talked about that you need to understand that you are Essential. It doesn't matter what the government said about your job. <laughs> you are essential. We, uh, we took that a step further because what does it mean to be part of Christ's body? Well, Christ means anointed. And it's essential that we are anointed by him, by his power, by his spirit to do what he's called us to do. And the only way that we can be anointed by a king is if we make ourselves a servant to that king. So let me take that a step further. Uh, we're going to go to uh, First Cor- uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter five is where we're going. We're going to spend a little time today. And here we we have this. Paul begins to summarize the book that he's writing to the church in Galatia. He says, "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free." So this is a good amen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get, you just, that, that verse gets you all fired up. I mean, I'm like, I want blue face paint. Freedom! Come on, where's my Braveheart people at? Come on. This is like, yeah. But, that, but if you sit on this verse for like more than five seconds, you're like, Paul, that's a little redundant. For freedom, we've been set free. So I'm free to have freedom. That, yeah, like you doubled up on that. Why? Well, he, he, he does it because freedom, just because we've been set free, doesn't mean we remain free. In fact, he continues, he says, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So, when you study scripture, there's three very important things that you need to consider. The first and most important thing, when you study the word of God, is what? I got a, I got a couple people who just are with me. ACers through and through. The first, the most important thing that you study uh, when you study the Bible is context. The second most important thing when you study the word is what? Oh yeah. Now everybody, now it's got kind of got the trend. The third most important thing when you study the word of God is what? Context. Well, context in this case, context means a lot of things. You got to come at it from uh, context and the geography of who's being written to, geog- uh, context and and who is doing the writing, context and what has been written before this. So let's look at the context of what Paul has been talking about, because he's laying out an entire book about freedom. And here he comes and says, hey, I'm going to summarize it all together, that many times when you think about freedom, you don't think of offense. Do you? you immediately, the first thing you think of when you say, hey, freedom, that means I have no boundaries. Like, this thing's got to go away. I, I, I am rid of all this stuff. I have the ability to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. Yesterday we celebrated D-Day where men uh, uh, and women from the United States and the allies stormed the beaches of Normandy 
and took on World War II. And because of that, they paid the price for our freedom. And as Americans, we've got freedom, right? Like, I want my freedom. And when we think of freedom, I was doing a little, like, random idea. Like, we're just asking people, when I say freedom, what do you think of? And it was kind of interesting because the first thing was, like, fireworks. Not sure how they, I mean, I guess July 4th, fireworks, not this year. Uh, but uh, in past, it connects with, the, you know, our freedom from the Revolutionary War that we got from uh, the, the terrible English. Yes, we got it. Freedom. Uh, another, uh, another one that said was freedom was uh, <laughs> a parent said to me, dropping the kids off to grandma. Freedom. <laughs> Uh, we have different ideas of what freedom is, but uh, for, for all of us, at some point, we think freedom means no more boundaries. But he, it reminds me, reminds me of a Jim Bob story. It's been 14 weeks since I've told you a good old Jim Bob story. So I need, I need to, uh, there's, there's a good one. I, I've been, I remember Jim, uh, Jim Bob, Jim Bob had bought himself some property. Bought himself, he had saved up for years to buy himself the perfect Jim Bob piece of property, 40 acres. 40 acres, enough, enough room to do his hunting. He could do his squirrel hunting. He could do his turkey hunting. He could do his deer hunting. He could do his varmint hunting. He could just hunting. And of course, it had a pond on it, so he could do his fishing. You know, fishing for his, for his bass and his bluegill. He, he could do all his fishing. He loved, his, he loved buying it. So he, one day, he had Bubba out. And he was showing Bubba his, his, his property. He was so proud of it. And they were exploring it, and he got to the back part of the 40 acres. And he comes across a fence he had not seen before because he had not quite got to this place on the property. And it wasn't a fence like this. It was a, a large fence, uh, about six foot tall. And he, he could barely, you couldn't see through it, but he looked through one of the slats, and he saw through the slat that on the other side of this fence was this beautiful creek going through the hillside. It was gorgeous, and you could see the sun beginning to set on the other side. And he said, well, by, by golly. I bought this property. It is my right to see what is on the other side of this fence. So him and, him and Bubba got to working, tearing that fence down, just, I mean, just hammers and making the noise and throwing them wood in piles. And they were just making all the noise. And they never heard the neighbor's bull until they felt it. A good old Jim Bob story. See, he, he, was, he was free of the fear of the neighbor's bull. But because he tore down the fence, he lost some freedom. Uh, he, he, from that, he came up with the, the classical saying, you may have heard it, that you don't tear down a fence until you know why it's there. That Jim Bob originated that. He didn't. G.K. Chesterton did, but we'll just give Jim Bob the credit this morning. But... <laughs> Well, you don't tear it out. See, a lot of times we think that freedom means I don't have any fences, I don't have any boundaries, but there's no such thing as freedom without fences, without boundaries. Freedom always comes connected to it, with it, some type of boundary in it. In fact, Galatians chapter 15, uh, uh, um, here, I'm going to, Galatians chapter 15 uh, Verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't think that you can just do whatever you want to do and go wherever you want to go. 
So, okay, so we have to have boundaries. So if I'm going to have some boundaries, then that's the next point, is that you think that living in freedom means I'm going to have no boundaries, or you think that living with freedom means I make my own boundaries. I'll determine how far I go. I'll determine how close to the cliff I can get. I'll, I'll make the decision on, on what I want to do. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I, I, we posted a, a video that I made of uh, a situation that I had happen at my house. And we, we got, we got a, like four acres, got a mini farm. It's not really even a mini farm. It's like a mini, mini farm. Uh, we got a, some pigs and some, uh, uh, some chickens, and we're going to get some rabbits. And we got a little, you know, it's enough to, and some cats. And don't get me started on that, because that's another story. <laughs> the people that are laughing know that story. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I had, we had some chickens, and right at the beginning of all this quarantine stuff, I went over the Royal King, got myself some chickens, restocked our chicken coop. And it was a couple, uh, a couple weeks into it that I had accidentally, un- unintentionally left the door to the chicken coop open. And in the middle of the night, a raccoon, I've captured seven raccoons since this moment, so it might have been multiple, came in and took five of my six hens. I was devastated. I was, I was so mad because those, those are my girls. Those are my ladies, my hens, Okay. And they were taken from me, and I, I was so mad. I got, I, 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 I exacted my revenge. Uh, I'm still exacting my revenge. Uh, but I, 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 uh, two weeks ago, I went and restocked, got some chickens, and put them back in the chicken coop. And when I got them, I added one more part to it. I got a portable electric fence. It's an offense that you can stake into the ground, and you attach it to these little batteries, and it. Zzz, zzz, you know what hasn't happened since I put the chicken coop inside the electrical fence? No raccoons have been in my chicken coop. Come on. Now, the chickens, I don't know how the conversation would go. But if the chickens decided to say, hey, we don't like the boundaries that you've placed upon us. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't even know if I should. Like, that's just, oh, stop there. <laughs> Well, we, we, I'm not sure what the conversation would be. They'd be like, hey, we don't like this boundary. We think it should be moved back a little bit. And we think it should be where we can get into the woods and do a little freedom searching and, you know, get, discover ourselves. And they, they want to make their own. It wouldn't work. They're safe and they're able to survive and thrive within the boundaries I've made for them. I, as their king, have created... My little kingdom of chickens and given them the ability to live in freedom of raccoons because I created for them boundaries. They can't get out, but neither can things get in. This this is Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law... You have been cut off from Christ. You have, been, you have fallen away from God's grace. See, this is what we try to do. We try to say, hey, I can make my own boundaries. If I go to church enough, then I can, I can mess up over here. If I give my tithes enough over here, then if I mess up over here, it'll, be, it'll cover all that stuff. We, we try to make up our own way into salvation. And we, we try to create our own 
boundaries, but when we create our own boundaries, we're saying we're king. When you establish boundaries, you're saying you're the king. So how do we, how do we live this out? See, because freedom is not the absence of boundaries. It is having the right boundaries. Somebody write that down. That was good. Tweet that. Somebody. Freedom is not the absence of boundaries. It is having the right boundaries. What are the right boundaries? Well, we need to be living in God's boundaries. Living within the framework that he has given us. In fact, uh, uh, Paul writes to that in Galatians. He says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So freedom has a purpose. There's a reason why he's given us freedom. There's a reason why he's poured it out to us. For the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is, this is I, I, I got to just say this real quick. Jesus said that the, the commandments can be summed up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your power, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the second is equal to it. Paul takes that one step further and says, you can't do one without doing two. You can't love God without loving your neighbor. So we got to set ourselves within the boundaries. God's boundaries aren't restraining us. They are actually releasing us. Galatians 5.1 said that we are to be, that we are to stand firm then and do not get uh, uh, burdened again with the yoke of slavery. So where do we stand? Well, Paul tells the Corinthians the church in Corinth, he says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's where we need to be. We need to be where the spirit of the Lord is. So I got four questions for you as I close out this message so you can determine whether your boundaries are the right boundaries. Because we can, you know, we love messages and I, I was tempted to call this message essential freedom. But we cannot have freedom without having essential boundaries. So here's some questions to know if your boundaries are in the right place. The first question is, does it please God? Does your boundary please God? Is it, is it upholding him? So how do we know if it upholds him? Please him. Jesus says, he's right, he's to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said... If you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We like the last part of that scripture. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Give me some B3 organ. Yeah. We don't like the first part. The then is connected to the if. If you hold on to his teaching, where's his teaching? The teaching. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Come on, Sunday school people. I stand up on the word of God. The (laughs) B-I-B-L-E. There you go. We We have to be in the word of God. The reason why we push the boundaries of God is because we don't know his boundaries. We have to be in his word. And it's not about me giving you his word. You need to be in his word. You need to be understanding what his teachings are. You need to understand that he has given you, if 
you know his teachings, if you know his boundaries, then you will be free, and free indeed. So we have to, uh, first question is, does it please God? The next thing is, that, does it match my convictions? Does it match my convictions? Here, here's how Paul wrote it to the Romans in 14, chapter 14, verse 23. He says, but if you have any doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Context. He's talking about this problem that the Gentiles and Jews were having. Jews would not eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. But Gentiles, it wasn't that they were being so bad. That's just what anything that went to the market was first sacrificed and given homage to idols and then brought to the market. That's just the way the world worked. So they weren't able to eat meat if they didn't have it from that was already sacrificed to an idol. Paul's saying... Hey, some of you have a conviction of not eating that meat. That's okay. Don't eat the meat. But don't hold that conviction on someone else. See, so many times we think my conviction should be your conviction. And if you're not living up to my convictions, then you're wrong. But there are, there are parts of the, in the Bible, there is black and white. B-I-B-L-E. Get into his teaching. Know them. But there are also areas where God's going to call you to an area that, you, that he's not calling someone else to. A few years ago, I found myself, I was, had a job, and I did a ton of driving. And while I was driving, I listened to talk radio all day long. All day long. I got home, and I found myself constantly grouchy. I was mad. As soon as I walked in the door, I was mad. Because all day long, I had filled myself with all these reasons to be mad. The world was crashing around, and I had let myself be filled with that. And so I made a decision to cut out talk radio. Is talk radio evil? No. I just didn't need it. For some of you, you're, some of you are saying, you know, you can't live without Facebook or social media of some sort. Some of you, uh, let me just talk to somebody under the age of 18. You can't live without TikTok, okay? Yeah. I got the moves. You know it. Some of you can't live without Snapchat. But there's other of you who have made a decision that social media is not something you don't want in your life. Is social media evil? It can be used for evil, but it can also be used for good because right now we're streaming live across the world to the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not, so there are areas that you're going to have to say, it's my conviction. God has called me to the standard, and I need to live by that standard because on the other side of this, it could be something that would cause me to fall off. For those that have, that have dealt with alcohol addiction, you probably should make a boundary not to be in a bar. It's kind of hard not to be pulled into that when you constantly surround yourself with it. I could go on and on with list and list and list of those. But those aren't the list I need to give you. They're the list you need. They're your convictions. Are you living by your convictions? And thirdly, does it, does anyone hold me accountable? If you read the book of Galatians, where Paul is writing us out about freedom, in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I went to Jerusalem to talk to the disciples 14 years after he'd been doing his ministry. 
he went to talk to the disciples about their ministry because he wanted to make sure that his teaching was lined up with their teaching. He wanted to be held accountable. In that same chapter, a few verses later, it says that Peter shows up where he's teaching and he has to hold Peter accountable for the way he's treating the Gentiles. See, accountability is powerful. You have to make yourself willing to be held accountable, and you have to be willing to hold people accountable. I, I love to, to laugh and have fun and messages, and I, I hate to bring heaviness into it, but let me just get real in our moment what's happening right now. Couple, last two Fridays ago, George Floyd died inhumanely by a man who kept his knee in his neck for over eight minutes while three other police officers stood by. Accountability would have stopped the chaos our world is going through if they would have held him accountable. I read an article yesterday that said that one of the police off two of the police officers were rookies. One of them was on his third shift. He didn't feel like he could step in and hold him accountable. But the reason he didn't feel like he could hold him accountable was because the man didn't put himself in a position of being held accountable. I promise you, if you look at your life and you look at your greatest mess-ups, your greatest failures happened when you lacked accountability. I see it in the, in the ministry. I see ministers who think they can live their lives separated above accountability and they find themselves in a place of ruining their ministry ruining the, their, their family because they would not hold themselves accountable or allow themselves to be held accountable accountability is what our world lacks right now let, let me be on my soapbox for just a second because just as those, those men, those police officers that were with him at that moment should have held him accountable, we now hold the responsibility to hold society accountable for our response. If you're going to protest, if you're going to make statements, you better be willing to be held accountable for them. Jesus says it in Luke chapter 17, verse 3. He says, pay attention to yourselves. Not, not individually, corporally. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. That doesn't mean get on social media and tell everybody how bad he is. It means go to him and say, brother, you're on the wrong side of the fence. Right now, you are doing things that are going to cause you harm. You're going to end up going down a place that you don't want to go down, and I want to bring you back into this. Rebuke is not a negative thing. It is a powerful tool for when somebody says, I'm willing to be held accountable. And if he repents, forgive him. Forgive him. So does it please God? Does it match my convictions? Does it hold me accountable? And then the fourth thing is, does it represent God's love? Too many times we build a fence to keep people out. But the fence isn't meant to keep people out. It's meant to know where we stand firm in his freedom. In our freedom, we have a purpose. Our freedom has 
a purpose. It says, in Gal uh, I'm sorry, this is, it says Galatians, but it's actually 1 Corinthians. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have freedom, but I choose to put myself in a position where my freedom has a purpose, to win as many as possible. Ezekiel chapter 22. I wish I had time to give in, go into the context here, but it said, God is speaking to the prophet. And he says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall. I, I, I looked for someone to step in and, and fix the boundaries, the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. My prayer is that we do not stand idle in our freedom. And in the privilege that we have as God's chosen children who have accepted his gift of salvation, not to hold it against someone, but to offer it in love, to serve in love, to say, I have been given the opportunity to stand in his freedom because he died for my sins. I can stand and know that I am anointed by his, by his spirit, not so that I can show how good I am and how virtuous I am, but so that I can offer that same freedom to others. Jesus replied in John chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave to sin has no permanent place in the, in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want to give us this opportunity this morning to respond to the freedom that God offers us. To step inside his kingdom. To say, I understand he put a boundary in my life not to harm me, not to restrict me, but to release me in freedom. To know that he has my best interest in mind. And therefore, I step into his kingdom and I surround myself with his fence, with his boundary. We do that by repenting and saying, God, I'm, I'm going to turn from doing it my own way with no boundaries or doing it my own way by creating my own boundaries. But I'm going to accept yours and I'm going to turn to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, we repent. We turn from trying to do it our own way and we turn to you. We want to follow after you. We want to live in your freedom in your kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives. We thank you that your death on the cross paid the price for our sins and that you resurrected and that your spirit is available to us today, that we can be where your spirit is because that is where freedom is. We pray this in your powerful name. In Jesus' name, amen.